0: Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Millisonda for The Accidental Aliens.
1: And I'm Keith Foster. I write Kadoja in addition to reviewing horror on my blog, KeithRFoster.com.
0: And today we have a special guest. He is the creator and writer of The Wicked Righteous from Alterna, head of state from The Accidental Aliens, and buddy currently on Kickstarter until June 7th. We have... Comics creator and writer Terry Mayo, what's up, my friend?
2: Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah,
0: man, pleasure's so, all ours. So you you've listened to a few episodes, and uh, so we'll go in this rotation just so you don't have to start off because sometimes I think uh, guests get a little gun shy when we we start off with them. But Keith, so what did what did you do this week? What was the first thing? First thing on the list?
1: Yeah, uh, can I talk about? I'm gonna, I'm going to go off topic real quick. The first thing actually I did that has nothing to do with anything is that I I got another couple goddamn extended warranty calls about my car. So I went ahead and looked it up finally. And it turns out that that was the number one scam from 2020. And what happens is people basically call you and say, oh yeah, you can get extended insurance for say $3,000. And that's how they, it may not be the number one thing people went for, but it was the number one call that people received. So uh, what what they said is, I mean, this is a basic step. And if people, if people out there listening are as tired of it as I am, was, is, um, you can get on the National Do Not Call Registry. That's a free government site. So uh, I went ahead and added my cell phone numbers to the National Do Not Call Registry. It's a .gov site. Oh, And uh, that means tele- yeah, telemarketers won't bother you. Now, it won't stop scammers from bothering you. But in the future, at least, you'll have a much better idea who is pure scam and who is actually a te- – because only the scams will get through now. So anyway, that was that was just a random thing. I went on a rabbit hole because I got two calls within an hour again. And I'm like, we were just talking about this stupid extended car warranty thing. Yeah. I need to look into it.
0: It's not completely random, Terry. We, we talked about this last episode, which hasn't come out yet. <laughs> so it was yeah. something we were both raving on. It's like, I can't believe how many of these calls we're getting. So not completely yeah. random. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Terry, Terry's like, what the fuck do you talk about on this podcast? <laughs> you know. Anyway, okay. No,
2: I mean, at, at this point, I mean, I get them so often. I just, they're like a familiar friend now. They're like, hey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How have you been? How are things yeah. in your scam land? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so so the first thing I did, I did a bunch. I think last week I had mentioned, a couple, two weeks ago I had mentioned that I created a project plan um, for every little thing I need to do. On on route to finishing the Kickstarter and delivering a book in September or August or beating it and last week I mentioned casually that because of my travel I was behind and I'm happy to say that I caught up on Everything so over the over last weekend I had uh, a good amount of free time and I used that free time to do the following number one I firmed up all of the um, chapter separators that I had which I had kind of worked on before number two I did all of the bonus content that's going to go either at the end of each chapter. So like in the individual comics, I will probably put it at the end of the comic. In the trade, I'm not sure whether we'll put it at the end of each chapter to resemble the comic or whether we throw them all at the end. But I decided that the way to deal to deliver the information the best was to have a couple email chains. And what I like about that is it was it's going to be a bit challenging to read because it's going to start with the most recent one first, and then you're going to have to go back through to see what's going on. And so the, there's a couple email chains that deal with the Lovecraftian element that goes through Kadoja, which, you know, is not on page a lot. I mean, there's a whole lot of giant monsters, um, and there's elements of Lovecraft, but but I really wanted to use this time to amp that up. So I'm happy that I did that. It took a lot more time than you think because um, as I think I mentioned last week, I randomly selected 10 Kickstarter backers to be the the doctors on the chain of the email. So take a look. You might have a name that's like an email address that I just made up that has your name in it. And um, and anyway, so I was happy I did that. Awesome. The next thing I did, yeah, yeah. The next thing I did uh, is- Let's go uh, one by one.
0: Let's, let's do okay. the Okay. Yes. Uh, so Terry, what was uh, one thing you did this week? Creator, creator sure. wise.
2: Like a round robin. We're just kind of naming the, the, yeah we, <laughs> what we, yeah, did, we kinda boom, we'll cancel people. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: we kind of like to do, uh, you know, like all the creative stuff we've done throughout the week and we've, uh, yeah, we yeah. found that it's a better conversation if we just kind of like do one thing at a time as opposed to filibustering our whole week in one session. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause then, um, like, cause I know my, for one, my memory's garbage. So if Keith mentions yeah. like he has like five things to do that week, and the first thing I had a comment on, and I, my stupid brain's not going to remember that, so it's <laughs> so it's easier for me to go. All right,
2: let's just do one at a time. So, and then the last four are just trash. You don't remember anything. Yeah, it's just exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So creativity wise, I mean, I've been I've been pushing Buddy. So uh, the book. So I've been on interviews some two, some three times a day oh, wow. for the last. Nine, ten days, so just really trying to spread the gospel about Buddy right now, just the little pug that could, yeah, that's been, I mean, that's been my week, it seems like it's been about three, four weeks, I mean, you guys have done Kickstarter before, so you know how that first like couple days are. Oh,
0: it's the whole month so, uh, for me, bro, the whole month damn. feels like it's moving in slow motion, So, so for the yeah. listeners, so what's Buddy about?
2: So, Buddy is. I mean, the tagline is uh, that it's Milo and Otis meets the Exorcist. So it's it's basically it's about this little pug and a house cat. Uh, the The hapless humans are uh, helpless against demons. Uh, they bring a trinket into the house that possesses one of them, and the only people there to save them are uh, Buddy and Charlie, the the pets. So it's really, I mean. I know that I don't, Keith. I don't know if you've read any of my other stuff before, but Scott, you know that my other stuff is usually like a lot darker, a lot like R-rated type stuff. So this was kind of my foray into like a a, a kid's story, I guess, you, if if you can consider like demonic possession a kid story, but it was but a it's, it's, very it's, just, it's <laughs> yeah. It's as kids as Demonic Possession
1: gets. It's the most yeah, kid it's, friendly it's, demonic possession story you can possibly find.
0: It, re- it really it right. really is. It's like um like the cartooning style of the artist, it really what's the name of your artist on that book?
2: Dave Swartz. So
0: Dave, yeah, he has a very, very fun very fun style. So even though the subject matter isn't like I don't know the thing you would see on Disney plus or anything like you watch it, like you read the book and you're like, yeah, I I would let a little kid read this. Like there's nothing in there. That's too crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I have what the eight, eight kids, seven, 7.5 kids right now. And, uh, and, you know, you can't get anything past kids and you can't dumb it down or they're just going to throw it to the side and be like, well, this is just trash. Like, you know, so. um, So, yeah, I didn't want to pull any punches. And I did kind of borrow the style from like 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 a Nickelodeon or, or, or a Cartoon Network type style, colorful, fun, whimsical. Uh, but then I wanted it to be when the action starts, the action starts and you're not pulling any punches. It is what it is. So that was the goal. Yeah,
0: it's like in uh, it's like when we watch cartoons as kids, like I. There was so many grown up style humor that went over my head, but I didn't realize it wasn't something that was just like so obvious to me, you know, as a child. So there's something for the adult there, but there's but, you know, the majority of it can be for the kid. So a little something for everybody. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And then uh, so, yeah, that that that's all great stuff. And I wanted to mention that the Kickstarter. So this is this is pretty easy math. This episode is going to air with time for people to check out the Kickstarter and ideally back it if that's something you're interested in. Uh, Terry Terry's not Terry may not say it, so I'll, I'll beat him to it, that uh, it's already funded, which is wonderful, which means if you like it, you get the book. So um, yeah, man, the, the art looks great. Uh, colorful is a great way of putting it just based on even these sample pages. So yeah, man, I encourage people to check it out. And uh, and again, the best part about something that funds quickly is that uh, everybody who backs it knows that that they're going to get a book as as long as they back it. So, congrats on that on hitting your goal. Uh, sounds like you still have some time to go, which is always a great territory to be in.
2: Yeah, no, I mean this is the fun time. This is this is where the fun starts. I mean, we you're, we we did fun pretty early on, and we hit our first stretch goal pretty early on. So, yeah, the rest is just trying to find fun stuff to add to the add to the boxes, you know? Yeah,
1: you you left out the existential self-crisis that you're going to get probably in the dead middle, <laughs> which yeah. which it sounds like you're dangerously close to entering right now. So man, if you can push through that dead middle, you're in even better shape.
0: Well, yeah, if you're if you're doing as many interviews as you are, I'm curious how that will go cuz every Kickstarter that I've done, I've experienced that dead middle. It's like the first week's hot, the last week's hot, the first the two middle weeks are a bit rough. You know, and and um, but if you're doing that many interviews, I'm curious how that's going to affect uh, those weeks.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. The, I mean, that was kind of my litmus test for for this one. The first one that I did, the first Kickstarter I did was for the Wicked Righteous for the the trade, the, the the collected trade, and it was already with the publisher. And it was really more just to get more eyes on it. And it wasn't really, I mean, the money's awesome, but it wasn't really about the money. It was more about the eyes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I wasn't really too worried about lulls. But I didn't do a whole lot of interviewing for that one. I just kind of put it out there and let it do what it did. Uh, but for this one, I wanted to be purposeful and like I have a calendar and it's all set up, and I want to do interview after interview just to see, just to see if it does cause any 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 reaction and backers.
0: How is uh, so? How are you getting these interviews? Are you out there pursuing people, or people coming to you? How's that working out?
2: Uh, it's a little bit of both. So uh, I did put one Facebook post out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago just saying hey if anybody wants to talk about a, a pug who fights demons let me know and then my inbox was like flooded oh, right on uh and then over the over the weeks like different people have, have been reaching out i think i i i've reached out to a few people that i uh wanted to to like just talk about because they they it was like a niche thing like they specialized in like horror they specialized in like this whimsical type feel so i was like well maybe that audience might be a good fit for for what i'm trying to talk about
0: yeah that's that's excellent yeah if you could find these little avenues that you think the story might get that normally wouldn't get yeah that's perfect yeah um so jumping off to something that i did this week and it's probably the only thing i'm gonna cover i have other stuff i want to talk about work-wise though so talking about kickstarters uh this last kickstarter i did for second shift 11 uh, my drawtober project turned into a fully formed comic and ashcan i I had an option to have a reprint of issue one, which I have never done. I, once I printed issue one, I had 500 copies printed up. Once those sold out, that was it. And I had shortly out after that, I had a trade printed. So I didn't need a new copy of issue one. It's like, well, if you want issue one, here's here's the trade. And, uh, you know, for sales wise, it's a good maneuver. So, but I wanted to give people, because I am such, I have like this rekindled love of single issue comics, like comic collecting again, has become such a big part of my life and Keith's, if you're following this podcast, both of us are like comic junkies now. And um, so I was like, you know, it would be nice if we had single collectors that wanted the issue one. So I had this cover, I legitimately did it in 2014. And I was like, this will be the cover for the second printing if I ever do one. And I just never did it for whatever reason. Uh, my colorist actually owns the pencil work. He That was something he requested from me. He said, hey, can I, instead of paying me for whatever, he was like, can you draw me something? I want to own some of your art. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. So I drew him this splash image of the team. And I was like, dude, this is a badass image. I kind of want to use it as a cover. And he goes, oh, yes, please. I'll co- I'll color it and everything. He's like, don't even pay me for this one, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, fucking A. So, um long story short, I wanted to re-letter that issue because that was the first book I had ever lettered. I I learned how to letter on YouTube from Scott McCloud. Scott McCloud had some videos up um, and uh, I figured it out. I was like, okay, cool. But there's some nuances to lettering that I didn't know about at the time. And as time has gone on, I've lettered in more and more issues. And the more you do anything, the better you get at it. And so I see that first issue. And not only do I hate the first five pages of art because it was the first time I was drawing essentially in ten years because I was wrestling, um, but I hated the lettering. I was like, "Oh god, this lettering's brutal. It's like driving me nuts." So, I've been re—I've been redoing it. I am over halfway done, and uh, it's looking way way better. It's much tighter. It's very consistent. Uh, I'm changing certain balloons. Uh, Keith, we, we mentioned, you mentioned something about this with your book, how you had a letter and he was creating certain balloons that you liked. And I had mentioned that uh, Tristan had created some stuff that I liked. And since I own the pages, I took those balloons and I repurposed them for issue one. So um, once I redraw those first five pages in a couple of panels, I eventually do the hardcover. All the lettering will be consistent throughout all of the issues. So um, that's, yeah, that's, so that's the thing I'm tackling this week and it's uh, been going pretty well.
1: Nice. Nice. All right. Well, so just to give an idea, I have two more things that I want to talk about this week. The second one, it it took a lot of time and yet was a lot of, I suppose, good, hard fun, but it's not going to be much to talk about, which is I did... You Know so much of this is about things like mic placement and picking the sound that you want. But I went ahead and tracked the guitars for the soundtrack that goes to the volume three of Kadoja, right? Since Kadoja is a has always been a comic book with a soundtrack, um, part of the Kickstarter is for everybody, whether it's a digital version or a um, physical version, to get a digital soundtrack, and so uh. You know, most of the, the, most of the tracks are done, but the guitars still needed to be done. And in this, this case, the guitars were done with the intent of being seasoning, right? Like guitar is never going to be, I mean, it's going to hold focus a little bit through the track, but these are are not guitar based songs, but, um, yeah. So I, I, knocked all those out. I played around with a lot of sounds. I played around a little bit with mic placement, finally recorded it, finally got some good takes again, that took the other day of the weekend, basically to do, it's funny, right? You spend the whole weekend to get about, you know, 24 minutes of, of guitar audio, but, uh, that's the way it works sometimes. So anyway, so that's done. And now I get to check that off and just keep on progressing. Um, I've made rough mix downs of the tracks that I'll listen to in the car actually tomorrow. And then I'll just keep on looking at the next thing on the list
2: and going from there.
0: Terry, did you have another, uh, creative thing that you did this week or should I just ask you a question?
2: Uh, I mean, man, I, I, I'm nonstop creative. What are you talking about? <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> I'm not as prolific as Keith over here, because I, I, he's talking about guitar riffs, and I'm like, oh, shit. I, <laughs> now you, you caught me on my <laughs> one good week, though. You're good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, it's most of my stuff is comic book related, but this one is shifting. It's not buddy related, but uh, did start working on a couple new projects. Uh, one is like a Dungeons Dragons-themed uh, comic book that's coming out later, uh, at, well, at the beginning of next year ish. Um, and then uh, one that's like, uh, well, you know Scott, and I don't know who else knows, but I, I had some lung issues a couple years ago so that they had ended up going in and doing surgery and all this kind of stuff. And during that time, I was like, you know, if I ever die, <laughs> I need my story told. That kind of thing, that kind of self. I don't know what it is. Examination, <laughs> a selfish thing, yeah, maybe sure. examination. You know, I was like, I just, I need, I need to tell my story, uh, and I ended up not telling my story just because uh, I started writing and I was like, man, I'm boring as fuck. I don't, <laughs> really, <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do with this, <laughs> but it did morph into something else. So, and the story is, it's called uh, BFE Texas, and it's a, uh, it's a little uh, graphic novel that I'll be putting out next year as well. Right on,
1: man. So, yeah, yeah. So that sounds awesome, and I'd actually like to ask a quick follow up on the D and D comic, which is. Mm -hmm. So when you say D&D, are you being specific very much to like Dungeons and Dragons itself? Or is it more like, are you going with more a general fantasy thing? Or is there something very specific about the game of Dungeons and Dragons that you're um, going with in terms of this story?
0: I I forgot to mention that both of you guys are D&D nerds. So yeah, so that works out Uh. right there.
2: (laughs) Well, there you go. Boom. Fucking nerds. Yeah. In in my spare time
1: I'm actually going through the Art and Arcana D and D book. Uh which It's is, a beautiful book. That's amazing book. Amazing book. It's so great to have all these cool things pop up of like, oh yo, there's the original cover art to fiend folio. You know, like that kind of stuff. So cool. So cool. So anyway, so yeah. so yeah, Terry, um may, maybe tell me a little bit more about the D comic.
2: Yeah. So the the i I'm actually uh it's <laughs> it's interesting because it's got like a backstory too, but it is it is a D uh, uh, and D theme, uh, D and D specific, and D and D does play a role in it. And obviously for like licensing issues, I, until I have a license to say it's d and I can't say it's D&D, but it is D&D-inspired. Yeah, so yeah. you can say that. Yeah, it's clearly not Dungeons
1: uh, & Dragons, people.
2: Clearly yeah. not. And yeah. That beholder is not a beholder. Yeah. What are you talking about? Y- yeah, <laughs> a <you can>, smolder.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, you can get away with that type of stuff, man. Like, um, like all of these Superman archetypes that are out there in the comics world, it's like, well, it's these writers that couldn't do this story with the actual Superman, so you kind of do... You kind of do your your variation on it and everyone picks up on it. So regardless if it's called Dungeons and Dragons, you can call it something similar goes, hey, I'm pretty sure that's that. And then they'll look into it and then.
1: Yeah. 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 And there's and there's a super interesting just a quick thing that I wanted to add, because I have had conversations with copyright lawyers. And somehow this conversation has never made its way to the podcast, but I think it's an important thing for people to know, not only for like, and, and Terry Scott, you guys probably already know this, but I think, you know, you, you can never, somebody out there might might not know this and it might be beneficial, not only for your creation in terms of feeling protective about what you made, but in terms of other people's creations and how Able you are to quote unquote replicate them if you get an idea in their vein. And the way the lawyer phrased it to me is look, you can write a story about a boy who lives in the normal world, who finds out that he's a wizard, and you can have that story, and you can have him go to a wizarding school in a fantastical world, and you can have an evil entity you know be ready to rise again after years of demise and you can have an elderly teacher who's an amazing wizard take him as his pupil you cannot name him harry potter you cannot name the school hogwarts you cannot name the professor dumbledore and you cannot name the bad guy voldemort but aside from that you can do almost everything else right mm-hmm. and <laughs> yep. and that's you know like ideas cannot be copyrighted characters specific things can be copyrighted and again some people might find that um liberating some people might find that disappointing but that those are the rules and that's the way it works
2: yeah yeah so so then yeah so look out for terry cotter and the prisoner of alzheimer's ban or something (laughs) (laughs) coming up next yeah
1: rock and roll all right well well my final thing Of significance, because there was all kinds of little stuff going on. And again, this was a particularly productive week just because I found myself with a lot of free time, is that I decided that I just wanted to finish all the backgrounds to Animals. So Animals is this comic, a horror comic that I have in development. I've been just like, you know, screwing around on it and being like, well, do a little bit here, do a little bit there. And then I finally said, you know what? I've had it. Let me just do all the backgrounds. The point being that I can do the backgrounds, send them to Albert the artist, he can do some pencils over it, I can modify it from there, and then we can create a comic. And so I'm happy to say that I'm completely done with all the backgrounds for animals. I I have not not all all ten chapters... I have not sent all of them to Albert yet because Albert is um, in some kind of, I think, moving transition. Um, so he's still going to work on Chapter 9, but I've got Chapter 10 ready for him. I feel like why dump Chapter 10 on you when you haven't even delivered Chapter 9 yet? But more importantly, I got it done. So I'm happy to say that my kind of first foray into art backgrounds, I think, ended up pretty decent. You know, it's it could be better, but... As, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, it's the best that I can do right now. And that's good enough. Maybe someday in the future I'll get better and then I can deliver better pages. But for now, it's the best I can do and I'm proud of it.
0: Uh, shoot them my way when you can. I- I'd love to see them. Check them out and see what you're doing. Sure. Um, just
1: backgrounds, right? Yeah, I'll send
0: yeah, them yeah. you. Yeah, what, whatever yeah. You, whatever you just did. Yeah, backgrounds. Yeah, yeah it sounds you like it, you hit that uh, sweet spot of the, the Slack method where you, you finally like, yeah, today's background day. And you just bang yeah. the backgrounds out like that's it's that's a, yes, <laughs> that's totally. the best day. I'm totally. telling you, it's the best day because those it's days totally. don't those don't come around very often Um, talking to you and uh, hearing like, oh, I'm delivering this to this guy. And, you know, I'm I'm ahead. He's, you know, still doing this, whatever kick started something in my brain. So last week I talked about how i had finished a page and I flatted it the same night and sent it to my colorist. I woke up the next morning. And it was already colored. Did I already mention this? I can't remember. No, if I mentioned this was
1: this. this was your insomnia story, right?
0: Yeah. So uh, uh, so I ended up finishing a page, sent it to my colors, flatted that same night. And I woke up the next morning. It was done. He had, he had colored it. And I was like, what the fuck? But it, it's it's because he's in a, diff- a different time zone. He's in Argentina. So like, I think I was sending to him in his it was nighttime for me, but it was morning for him. So yeah. he, it was like, oh, OK, well, I'll do this then. And then so I pass yeah. out for three or four hours, however long my dumb ass sleeps. And then I woke up and it was in my inbox and it was amazing. I was like, whoa, this is crazy.
1: I think you just caught him on like a perfect moment because you had you couldn't sleep. You sent that off. You slept for like three hours and he got it done in those three hours. That's, yeah, that's pretty killer.
0: Yeah, it was kind of rad. Yeah, he had the yeah. first two pages done. Um, I let him know where I was in the process. I I said, hey, man, uh, add another, you know, it's page one, added another one to the folder. I only got two left. And so I think he took that as his, it's his turn to start cranking them out. So um, as he finishes them, um, if I'm running out of things to do on my end, if I'm not feeling art that day, then I'll go ahead and letter those pages. So um, yeah, the process is moving and issue 10 is moving along quite nicely. Um, Terry, did you have one more thing or are you good before I hit you guys with this one question?
2: I mean, I can always throw something out. So, yeah, but I did want to comment on that because that is one of the best feelings ever to wake up and you have like art in your inbox. Oh, that's one of the best things ever. I love that because, you know, I can't draw worth shit. I can't draw. Dude,
1: I am. I am so there with you. <laughs> in fact, yeah? just total, total random tangent. I was, I was reading through, Scott, I was reading through, I'm actually making serious progress through all of those books that we bought at Spiro's Heroes. And it's been like 50-50. 50% of them have just been shit. And these are books that I thought I would like. And 50% of them have been gold. But I was reading through one and I came across an ad, and and maybe this is the kind of thing that Terry can relate to. I came across an ad for the Kubert School. And I'm like, you know, maybe I should draw. Maybe I should do a little cost-benefit analysis on like, You know, like getting myself up to speed on drawing. What's that look like versus paying for for art to get done? So I happened to look up the price of the cuber at school. And I was like, oh, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, hell with that shit.
0: Yeah, you're not trying to go in debt to become an, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's just like, because that's exactly, exactly, you're like, I'm kind of tired of paying artists. Let me learn how to draw. And you're like, oh, no, never mind.
1: (laughs) Dude, I went in debt once for my fucking first degree. I don't need to do it again.
0: Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I get that same feeling, by the way, like, you know, because because Ed has um, mentioned it to me before, because, you know, when we first started doing all of this, he's just like, dude, it's crazy to see something. It was just words. I just wrote words and you made it come to life. He's like, you don't know what that feels like. And and I think I kind of do when I see colored art, when I see my work colored. It's like, what the fuck? This is like it's a whole other dimension. You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Two dimensionally, Um, you know, as, as I've grown as an artist, it becomes a little more three dimensional, but at the same time, I'm thinking black and white. And when I see Joaquin's uh, colors, I'm just blown away, like at his choices and like why he would even think to do certain things. I was like, I would never think to do that. But when I see his work, I'm like, that's the most obvious thing, but, but the way he does it, it's just so tremendous to me. And it's, it's mind blowing.
1: Yeah. Terry, how about you, man? I mean, I, I take it you kind of feel like, I mean, I, I think the, the difference there is that Scott has taken existing art and had it, like, leveled up. But I think from our point of view, like, what what do you feel like when, like, this goes from something that's words to, like, oh, my God, a fully formed, like, comic page?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I've told my wife before that something like that is, and not to like downplay my children because I love them all, but <laughs> but it is that almost that same kind of feeling where you like you go get a sonogram, you see this blob that looks like a baby. And that's an idea. It's a general idea. That's cool. And then the minute you see the baby born, you're like, oh, my God, this is even better than I imagined. It's better than I thought it would be. Look at you. You have your you're perfect little child. Even if you're ugly as hell, you're perfect. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that's how I compared it to her. I was like, it's just I don't know how the artist can read my mind and, and add to what I wanted it to be because it's. You know, I, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. I don't know how that. I don't know how you do it, Scott. I don't know how you do it. Yeah.
0: Uh, something else Ed has mentioned too is, um, and I and I don't know if you guys and I'd imagine you have to be like there's. It seems kind of insane if you you didn't think, but you guys get a mental image of how it looks like in your brain as you're writing it, right? So Ed right. trips out when he goes, "What I thought of when I was writing it looks so differently." than how you processed it and how you put it out. He goes, it's so interesting to see your vision of what my words look like. He goes, in my head, it's completely different than one you put. And he goes, and it's 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 awesome to see. So, and that stuff makes me feel good. I'm just like, oh man, I love hearing this stuff, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, so the, the answer for me is like every single time. You know, the, the only time, um, there's been an artist uh, recently where he followed my words so specifically um, that, that rarely was I like, oh, I didn't see it like that because it's kind of like I think that that artist needed a little bit more guidance from my words. So I had to put more words out there. But when you get to the guys like in my case, like Rory Smith or, or Will Perkins, the, the thing there Will is Perkins. when I get stuff back from them, that's when I get surprised. And that's when you see that whole like, oh, shit. And and almost every like they never give me back the image in a way that i thought and it's always better it's always like it's like you picture it in a certain way and what they've done is they've managed to kind of like give you a different image and move the camera at the same time and it's just like different it's almost like it's amazing it's it's so cool terry is that you're nodding while i'm saying that
2: yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's perfectly said. And the, the I will say that the only, uh, and, and it's not bad, I think it's it just adds another level to it because it's a, it's a collaboration, at least I see it that way, is like it's the writer, artist, colorist, letter, it's all one team, and they're all building towards the same goal. But uh, speaking of Argentina, I had an Argentine uh, artist, I would send him the words, and, and it was before I was learned to take out slang whenever you're dealing with someone who's not English-speaking, yep. Uh, so I put like a fireman's carry. Right. And then I got pages back and it's full of like fire trucks in the background. I'm like, why the hell are there fire trucks in the background? <laughs> and so, and, and, and I was like, but okay, I can, uh, whatever. It's fine. And then uh, he sent another page because it, it was like a couple months later. And again, I used the term fireman's carry. And then it clicked when I got the page back. I was like, oh, he doesn't know what a fireman Okay, all right. So then <laughs> I had to like pull back on any kind of slang I was using and be like, I'm sorry, Lucas. I had no clue that yeah. I was the cause of all this. But yes. yes. So, yeah, you know, we, we kept the fire trucks in though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I ran into the same thing with uh, Joaquin. So, Joaquin was initially doing the coloring and the lettering. And so that's when it was very problematic with slang and trying to convey what I wanted in the word bubbles. Like, it just wasn't working. And then, like, sometimes I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should put the actual dialogue in quotes, you know? And so, but then he would do the word bubbles and they would all be in quotes. And I'm like, okay, no, no. the quotes were to let you know what was being spoken <laughs> and what was direction. And then um, after, after like, I think five or six pages, I'm like, I'm slowing him down. He needs to focus on coloring. And I'll do the lettering. I'm going to just learn how to do this. And then so this kind of yeah. goes back to what my initial thing was, was uh, fixing all my garbage <laughs> from my first attempt.
1: <laughs> I hear you, man.
0: OK, so I w- uh, so I'm in a group chat with some uh, comic book friends and uh, my buddy Tim Medora. He was he brought up the question. What is indie? What is indie comics? And if if you guys have been listening to the podcast out there. You know that we've colored this extensively. Um, And Terry, I don't know if you've listened to those specific episodes where we've talked about that, but we've come up with a formula of what we consider indie comics. um, What other companies would be smaller companies. There's the big two, obviously, right? So the big two Mm -hmm. would be corporate comics. Those are, that's just what those are. Corporate comics and uh, examining brands and labels, I would say Valiant and Dark Horse also fall into corporate comics because those two specifically are backed by like uh, big companies in Asia who are basically farming them for IP. So they're essentially doing the same thing that Marvel and DC are doing with Time Warmer, Warner or whoever owns them this week and, uh, you know, Disney. So so those would be considered corporate comics. You have other companies like... Um, let's say, uh, Boom, IDW, Scout, Aftershock, those would be considered third-party comics. Um, You would have Image Comics. That would be considered creator-owned comics. So Indie, what we have determined in our analysis, is basically independent creators, because that's what the word means, right? Indie means, ind- it's short for independent. So if you have anyone giving you money to print your book out, it's no longer an indie comic, because you are not independent from someone else, you are uh, being paid essentially, or someone is fronting the bill for your, sh- your, your printing or whatever. And uh, so that would be creator owned comics, if, if you are retaining those rights, right? So he had a question, as I was laying this all out for him, he goes, well, what about Skybound? Because there are creators they have a deal where you give up 50% of your creator rights to Skybound. Skybound owns 50% of your cre- your creation, your comic. I don't believe they interfere with the story. I think you pitch the story like you would Image Comics. Um, and then they fund it, but they pay you a page rate. So where would you guys fall with... Skybound creator-owned comics. Would that be creator-owned? Would that be corporate comics? Would that be third-party? What What do you guys think about that?
2: Trying to figure out how to answer this diplomatically. Just because I do know people. Oh, you don't need. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say you don't need to be super diplomatic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but if you know people and you gotta play it nice, then go ahead. But if you don't want to, you don't have to.
2: No, I'll play it nice. But uh, you know me, I play. I always play nice. But uh, but I would say this. I would say this. I would I, I would still throw them in in some sort of either it's a asterisk uh, corporate or something like that uh, especially Skybound Skybound is not just some run by night small publishing company I mean there's some there's some power behind that uh, and and anytime you're taking into half of your IP then you're I mean you're, you're selling you're selling your baby for half so. So yeah, I mean, I, keeping it polite and keeping it short, I'm going to say that it's it's a asterisk version of a corporate company.
1: Yeah. So for me, I mean, this is the kind of thing where I like I'm not necessarily going to keep it polite yet. If someday in in the future I come head to head at some amazing dinner party with the owners of Skybound, I'll probably say this to their face. Sorry, man, you're not indie. You know what I mean like and and that's like I want to delineate we we've done this we do this a lot and I want to be clear about it that's why I repeat it you can be good you know what I mean like like there are plenty of good corporate owned comics right there are plenty of good third party comics that doesn't mean it makes you indie man you know what I mean like if you have funding you have funding and and Scott it's funny cuz i was actually just thinking about that the other day just randomly walking around that there is this inflection point like there's a point where you become so big as an indie that you have to take on financing you know what i mean and like i get it you know like that's you've made it but guess what you're also not indie anymore
0: yeah and that's and that's not even a bad thing though you know that's like yeah. to 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 make it clear that's not a I don't, I don't think, and I know some people do and and some people don't, but I don't consider indie a badge of honor. Like I'm not, it's like, I would love to be a creator owned comic. I would love my comic to be housed by Image Comics or or Boom or somebody. If I can retain the rights to my characters, then I'm cool with not being indie. Like that's cool with me. I don't care. It's just, you know, uh, but what would, okay. So you obviously don't consider them indie Keith. What would you consider that deal?
1: That sounds corporate to me. Corporate. It sounds corporate yeah, to me.
0: Honestly, yeah. yeah, that's all right. So we're all in agreement. Honestly, it took me a little while to get there when I was talking to Tim about it because uh, I was like, it, "It gets a little dicey. I'm. Mean, it gets a little tricky right there because technically, you're a co-creator. Then at that point, right? So in my mind, just breaking it down like this: Robert Kirkman runs Sky- Skybound. Robert Kirkman is a singular guy who happens to just. He accumulated so much fame and power that he turned it into a brand. It's just like, at the end of the day, like our, our label, The Accidental Aliens, we're a bunch of artists. We all own our own IP or whatever. It's like the Accidental Alien name, it's essentially like an image brand. It's like, well, it, accidental aliens don't own anything. We're just our books are under this house, right? Whereas Skybound, their deal's slightly different because they actually own 50%. So, but does Robert Kirkman then so is Robert Kirkman then your co-creator? So you guys are 50, 50 owners of this project. So one of my questions, and, and we don't know the answer because we don't work there, is like, does Robert Kirkman, like, does he sway where the story's going? Like, or is he just like the money man? He goes, I really like your story. I like your previous work. Go do your thing. But hey, if you you come to me, I'll own 50%, but you get a page rate on top of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, there's a pretty clean if if I'm understanding this correctly, then there's a pretty clean analogy here. And the analogy is the show Shark Tank, where people come to big money guys. So my hunch, Scott, is that Robert Kirkman does not care about the direction of your book, but he's going to take half the proceeds in exchange for for visibility and for promotion, right? And, it, and again, it, it goes back to the adage, I'd rather have you know, 25% of something than 100% of nothing, right? And that's, there are some people that, that think that and I, I totally get it. And there are some things in my own life where I, I feel that, you know, but I think in general, this is very Shark Tank. You have your own thing that you own fully. You go to people with with money that can finance your stuff and in exchange for that financing, they're going to take their share of your stuff. And it's up to you to then calibrate whether that decision is worth it to you.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's some creators that they're completely cool with signing off on that. You know, like um, Rob Liefeld is very open about his his uh, creating of Cable and Deadpool. And he goes, I knew the contract when I signed it. I knew I was getting this this small percentage. And so to your point, I'd rather have 20% of something than 100% of nothing. And so Liefeld knew, hey, I'm going to create Cable, X-Force, Deadpool. And he's been very open with. He's very happy with that percentage, whatever that number is. He's been very exactly. happy about uh, about it. So, um, uh, so my stance uh, is is all in line with you guys. See, the the part I have issue with, and I don't know honestly if Kirkman came up to me and said, "Hey, fifty 50 you know, it would be. I am not going to lie, you'd be a little difficult to completely shun that idea because the the gravitas that his company has and the reach that he has it's like that's a large 50 percent of something you know what i mean it's like he now owns like that invincible cartoon that's out that's put out by skybound skybound entertainment created that cartoon so i'm like well he has ties with hollywood and that i was like 50 50 that that's a really and like my whole thing is getting the story out you know if if he really truly did believe like I believe what you're doing, go run with your story. I won't mess with your story. But I'm going to make some toys of these. I want to make a cartoon or something. I would be hard-pressed to say no. The one issue, though, is the 50-50 split. So, I mean, in this particular Skybound instance, it's harder to say. But let's say it wasn't Skybound, right? Let's say it's another company and they don't have ties to Hollywood or own their own cartoon company. Let's say I own or one of us two want to make a movie, Or a cartoon, but the other side doesn't agree with it. They're like, well, we don't like that deal or I don't like that deal. Then then we're in purgatory. Nothing happens because it's 50-50. As soon as one person says no, no one's going anywhere. So for me, it's like I would be more comfortable with 51% me, 49% you guys because I'm more than likely not going to say no to a movie, but I don't want you to just start greenlighting shit that's gonna be no good. You know what I mean? And so yeah, so that's, that's well, kind of my I thought think, process.
1: I mean, again, we're we're getting way down the chain here, but I think to me it would be I'm I, I mean, look, dude, the difference between fifty one percent and fifty percent, like I'm buying a boat either way. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if I'm if I'm that far along and that's what we're talking about, I'm buying some kind of boat. So it don't matter, you know, but you know, where I think where it gets dicey is creative control. Right, that's, right, and that's right. what I'm. That's and that's
0: what the fifty fifty one percent, forty nine percent is. It's not. It's not boat. It's mm-hmm. not money. It's it's creative yeah. control. That's that's what I'm talking exactly. about. Go ahead, Terry.
2: Yeah, no, no, no. That's actually what I was. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if a company, a publisher can pull that kind of uh, sway and attention towards any project. I think you, all of us would be hard pressed to say, eh, you know, that one percent. I really want to hold out. Yeah. And I'm sure it would. There's, I've seen contracts where it's written in saying this is exclusively going to be a mutual thing. If it's fifty fifty, either we both agree, or it's dead in the water, or we retain the right to move forward in in making these multimedia decisions. And that's just a decision you make in the moment. Is it worth it or is it not worth it? Uh, and it would really depend. It would. I mean, I, I would probably go with the Skybound book if it was offered to me on, on most of my projects. Some of them I, I'm more personal and I'm like, I really just want to keep this low to the ground. Yeah. And, it, and not so much keep an indie badge, but just be like, this is a personal book. Whatever happens with this book, I just want it to be mine. A mm-hmm. little walnut. Exactly.
1: So. No, and, and and I think that's that's part of... And, and I think that's the kind of thing that when, when, you know, for me, I'm on the side of the equation where, like, you know, everything is indie... But I I, I think I mentioned this last episode, Terry, which hasn't made the air yet that like I'd be comfortable making a bet on myself, you know, because if you give something away, then what the way that I always feel is, you know, if I give a percentage away of this certain thing, then I guess I just have to work that much harder to make the next thing great, you know, and have a bunch of things that can continue to to benefit me in the future and bet on myself to keep thinking up cool things and write well and do great stories, et cetera, et cetera.
0: And, and Terry, to your point, if you do, let's say that project that you do sell to Skybound or you sell a couple over there, right? Your name gets big enough to where that one project that you wanted to keep low to the ground, it's a hundred percent you. you can do whatever you want with it. If your name becomes synonymous with these successful properties, these great properties, they're going to look into whatever else you're doing. So then you have that one project that's a hundred percent you, and and you can do whatever you want with, and then hundred percent of the proceeds go to you. And that's and that's kind yeah, of yeah. it's an interesting dynamic because that's if you think about it, that's kind of what Rob Liefeld did with with Deadpool, Cable, etc. He gave them that you know they own the lion's share of that, but then he goes and creates Youngblood and, and Image, and so it's like, hey, you guys know me from X Force but I'm doing this thing over here. So he's not, he's not, he doesn't have as many eyes as maybe Marvel, but then when he goes on and does it on his own, then it's just like, well, you got a hundred percent of that. And then, well, you know, it's the 90s. So he, his audience was ginormous. So it was, it eclipsed it, but, um, you know.
2: Yeah. It's the Hollywood model, right? You do one for the studio and then you do your, your pet project and, and hope it makes a ton. So yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: All right. So Scott, I think you wanted to talk a little bit, I think it sounds like we've all caught up on our weeks. So you wanted to talk about some stuff we're reading, right?
0: Yeah, man. Okay. So yeah, this is uh, uh, something It's kind of like an ongoing segment that we do on the show. It, it, it's, you know, every, every like, I don't know, five episodes or so, we talk about what we're reading, what we're into. Uh, Terry, you're the guest. So what's, what's the stuff that you've been reading? And out of the stuff that you have been reading, what do you find, like, is pretty inspirational to you and, and, and gets your creative juices
2: going? um well let me start off i guess with the inspiration because um almost almost 100 percent 99 percent, probably of the stuff i'm reading for at least for the last couple months has all been from crowdfunding and, and kickstarter and stuff like that and it really not again not to rehash the topic of indie but uh seeing people like just their pet projects their love projects that they're putting out their own kickstarter and these ideas that you just don't you don't see on the bookshelf sometimes because they're buried behind all these other big name titles, the thirteen X Men titles, and maybe you find that indie book behind it or something. But a lot of my stuff comes from Kickstarter, uh, so uh, and that inspires me. Just hearing these new voices and seeing that love that goes into it.
0: Yeah, and I so we're friends on Kickstarter, and what that means for people that don't know is I get notified every time Terry backs something. So any any time one of my friends backs something. I get a notification, I got a push notification. And man, does my Terry button come up very often. So I, I truly appreciate that as, um, and, and I've talked about it on this podcast multiple times. We are creators, we are independent creators who are using Kickstarter to push our own books. So not only are you taking from the Kickstarter crowd by putting your books out there, but you're giving back. And you're giving back more than you're putting in. You know, the amount of books that you back, it's tremendous
2: well i mean it takes a village i mean we're we're all we're all in this game that we love right it's like almost an addiction making comics at this point so i mean it it really does take a village i really do believe that so it's it's not a not even a question i'll keep backing kickstarter if you put it out there i'll probably look at it (laughs) but uh yeah, I think the neighbor, the neighbors got home and I think their dog is going crazy. That but, dog uh,
1: is like, should get billed as the fourth contributor
2: to this podcast. The dog was
0: like, fuck Kickstarter, your shit
2: sucks. I know, right? Fucking Marvel. The, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the neighbor has like kids and they go like to baseball practice. And when they get back, that dog just goes ape shit. Like, let me in, you're back, let me in.
0: I know, yeah, I know Anyways. how that is. My, <laughs> my sister's dog does that. Like, we'll be, yeah. uh, me and uh, my goddaughter will be chilling out. Out, and then uh, her person, the dog's person, is is uh, my brother in law, so she knows the sound of his truck. When his truck pulls uh, up, she loses her fucking mind, and and my goddaughter cannot calm <laughs> her down. She just won't shut the fuck up. So I get it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, and it's annoying, but what can you do? Yeah, um, yeah. So the the favorite project that I've backed on Kickstarter overall ah man it's it's hard to narrow it down cuz i i love so many but usually anything by Ryland Grant I'm I'm all over and that's actually one of the books i'm reading right now i'm reading two right now but uh what is it called peacemaker
0: okay
2: peacemakers uh the, from Ryland Grant digging into that it's like a quentin tarantino slash heat from like the 90s the robert de niro movie oh. it's kind of like that kind of feel to it and it's really it's really Cool, and Ryland, you can you can tell because Ryland does uh, like uh, screenplays okay. for Hollywood, so you can see that kind of like setup. Very nice storytelling. And, and like a, very, nice, very nice, very nice, very crisp, and and the art is beautiful. So it's it's just it's it's nice when you have a book that every page is is a ter- is a page turn, and and that's what he has. Um, and then another one by uh, my friend Eric Borden called uh, Lead City. And this one is oh, it's I think fun. I backed, it's, yeah, I backed that. Did you? Did you? Yeah, I haven't had a chance yeah, to read it yet, but
0: yeah, I got it.
2: It's cool. I won't, I won't ruin it then. But it's, it's kind of like a Quick in the Dead meets like a Hunger Games almost. Okay, it's like a spaghetti Western, but it's, it's really cool. Okay, right I really on. enjoy it. So it's, those are the two I'm reading. Nice,
0: Keith. How about you? You got a new rec?
1: Um, I do, I do actually. Although, um, you know, it's interesting because uh, by getting back on Kickstarter and doing a project myself. It's gotten me back onto the Kickstarter thing, but I'm still waiting on books to show up, so I don't really have like a current wave of books that have arrived via Kickstarter that I can talk about. So what I can talk about is some books that I've checked out in shops. I mean, I can think of one right now. If I think of another one, then I will, um, I will, I will go from there. First of all, hold it. Have I mentioned Orphan and the Five Beasts on this podcast or no? I think I might have, but, but. Uh... Um, I would say
0: do it again. I would say, do well, this, it again. Yeah, this
1: this is like wheel of fortune, R S T L and E we're giving you that. And I'm giving you that. If I, in case I mentioned it before, orphan and the five beast is awesome, right? It is by, um, James Stoko, who did, uh, the best Godzilla book that I have read. It's Godzilla, the half century war from IDW about a, I don't know, approaching a decade ago, probably maybe five years ago. Um, and Orphan and the Five Beasts is amazing. Like it's it's wild, wild kung fu. It's in the vein of like Five Deadly Venoms meets this uh, this super violent film called Riccio, and uh, it's just great, fantastic, you know, crazy kung fu. So I think I did mention that before, but in case I didn't, or in case you need a reminder, Orphan and the Five Beasts is awesome. Um, a book that just came out recently. So that was kind of like my my pre my pre choice. Um, many deaths of Layla Star.
0: Ah, oh, that was gonna be mine, you bastard! Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, many deaths of Layla Star is awesome. Um, it is a what I like the, a lot about it is that it's a it's a quieter comic, right? It's it's magical Sorry, I just realism. Picked up number two. Just oh man two today. You're, you're making me need To go to my shop tomorrow To make sure Look at Check two. out that
0: Check out that Look at that What a great idea Yeah it Has the crow Right over her second eye So it looks like her It's very yes. Very beautiful cover
1: Absolutely brilliant So it's It's a w- Without giving anything away It's It's a take on death um, It involves Some mythology That is not You know uh, At home In In the United States So it gives you A bit of a, a different world take on on religion and things like reincarnation and stuff like that and uh it's it's magical in kind of like a a, you know it's got a tinge of like the darkness to it but it's a really interesting book i highly recommend it it's not what you would think of as like a typical comic it's 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 a little different it You know, it reminds me a lot of the books that I I tend to be reading recently. And um, yeah, man, just just a big fan. Scott, you want to you want to jump on that with anything I missed on Layla Star since you were going to talk about it?
0: No, I think you nailed it. Um, The art is uh, the one thing you didn't mention, though. The art is fantastic. It's just very different. It has a very uh, it's just so unique. It's like. There's kind of almost like a distortion to it, like elongated bodies, um, the line work. It's very thin-lined. It's like there's not a lot of line weight to it, but the way it's done, it's just it's perfect. It it, it fits so well with the style. So I think you covered the majority of it. Um, I think since Keith Jacked me for my wreck, I'm gonna go with uh, Marvel's Essentials Volume Two. Uh, it is the Uncanny X Men. 120 through 144 it's the chris claremont john byrne terry austin and brent anderson run so this marvel's essentials is a black and white comic so for you artists out there and maybe for writers i don't know i really dig this black and black and white work i i can really like dig into it like i can i can really examine all of john byrne's lines and uh, and i gotta say most of the stuff, because I didn't read this entire run growing up. I've read issues here and there. If if you're a kid from the the 80s and the 90s, the spinner rack was your friend, and you grabbed when you got what you got. So you didn't always get, you know, a continuous run. So I read some issues here and there. So this is the first time I'm reading these books in in a completion. Like, a, so it's just so amazing to see bad panels. Let me tell you that, because. These guys are fucking masters, and the things that get shared online are the masterful pages. They show you the most beautiful pages online, and the more I saw them, it became like an obtainable goal. It's like, these guys are so fucking good that they make me want to cry. Like It's just like, I don't know how I'll ever get there, but reading this book, there's a bunch of of middle-of-the-road panels down. I'm not going to say bad because none of the panels are bad, but it's just like, huh, okay, he dashed that one out. You know, but um, all the information is there. All the information you need is there. But you can tell they went quickly through it. And so seeing those pages, it's like one of the best thing in the world to me. Because it makes me go, okay, relax, asshole. Like you can, you, every page doesn't have to be a killer. You know, and, and so, um, but uh, it's, it's beautiful work. I'm really enjoying it. The writing is so dense. It's so, so dense. It's like one issue is about three issues of modern comics. It it, it seriously takes me three times the length of a modern comic to read one issue of X-Men. And um, there's a lot of stuff that is... There's a lot of uh, conflicting ideas, like back-to-back. Like, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense, but I find it endearing at the same time. So it's just kind of like... The Claremont run is one of the most noted runs in X Men history. I, I was an X kid growing up, so all you hear is how great his run is, and especially when you're younger, you kind of don't grasp that, right? But as you get older, you you know, as as someone who is not a writer. Um, it's just nice to appreciate a different style of writing but you see where it's just like oh wow you kind of forgot that you said this right here and then it's contradictory to what you had just said but then this happens or whatever and so it's kind of nice to see these masters that always get glowing reviews like there's you know there are errors in their work and, and it's nice to see those errors and that makes them feel human
1: yeah i mean to me that's that feels very much like a spiritual tie To what I talked about a few episodes ago, which is that little experiment I did where I could, you know, like not every sentence has to be a glorious fucking sentence. Sometimes a person just has to pour milk into a glass, you know, and and getting artful about pouring milk into a glass may not be the way a lot of us roll, you know. So, like, sometimes you just have some business to get to and you have to deal with that and you want to do it in as artful a way as possible, but you know people sitting around at a at a conference table is a hell of a lot different than people fighting something killer you know and and uh i don't know you know there there's quiet parts in our in our uh in our orchestral movements and there's loud parts in our orchestral movements and you can't make a book of all loud parts and you just need to make sure the quiet parts are somewhat interesting and hold your attention
0: absolutely and and that's something i posted today um actually or, or yesterday i had posted a panel and it was basically a talking heads panel. There wasn't a ton going on in that page. And uh, I posted up the thumbnails and it was the same character next to two different panels. One character, she's standing there doing something. The next panel, it's essentially the same thing, just at a slightly different angle. And you, uh, for artists, you, can, you have the ability to make that a little more interesting. How do you make that more interesting? You go at it from a different angle. And so I tried I tried this upward angle, and it just made it more interesting. So there's ways you can tackle pages, and then some, like you said, some days you just got to pour the milk. Some days it's just a talking head page. So,
1: <laughs> all right. All right. So some days you just got to pour the. Some milk. days you just got to pour the milk. <laughs> some exactly, days you just got to exactly. pour the
0: milk. That's a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, right. so Terry, what else did okay. you want to talk about, man? We have a few more minutes left. Uh, complete, complete freestyle session, man. What, what else would you like to talk about?
2: Oh, I mean, unless uh, unless you don't want me to talk about Buddy again, I'll just talk about Buddy. Talk day, about Buddy some so. more, man. We still got a little more time. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, uh, well, Buddy is uh, thirty-six pages now, so we hit our first first stretch goal. So uh, we added another six pages in, so it's thirty pages of story of uh, Milo and Otis meets Exorcist, Buddy, my little pug story. Uh, and then six pages of like an origin story. So a different uh, different artist uh, is doing the the interiors for that. Did you say orgy uh, stories? <clears throat> hey now. Orgy orgy stories. Oh, yeah, speaking of X Men. Oh hey Hat now. Orgies, oh yeah. god. Uh, we had to sneak that one past Kickstarter. So uh, hush hush. But yeah, no, you you, you put a story.
1: space in between the G and the Y so it didn't trigger anything. Right. Right.
2: Right. But people know. People know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, so I think we're we're like what a hundred and twenty something percent funded right now, and it's like I said, it's at the fun point right now, and I'm just I'm I'm waiting to see where it goes, cause uh, any extra money now is just gravy to to add some fun stuff. I would my goal would be like like if it added up would to be like get these uh tokens made that I could put in like oh yeah those, those are huge right of, now like, the yeah. Posi- right so i would love to i would love to get one of those but we'll see yeah man we'll see um so the kickstarter is live until june 7th 6th or 7th 7th 7th. um yeah you know my kickstarter better than me hey (laughs) man i was hosting i had i had to take some notes
0: you know i had to make sure i was making you look good and uh you know giving some accurate information we didn't want to have to do some housekeeping (laughs) they're like hey motherfucker you told us you told us the eighth, and it was the seventh. Yeah, exactly. I showed up on the eighth. I eight. went
2: on June eighth. I was gonna. I was. I wanted, buddy. I wanted to do Scott it on Scott's lost, birthday,
0: it. the June eighth. Yeah. I wanted to be the hero, and uh, be the last person to back. And I was a day late.
2: Right.
1: Uh, or we could have some kind of awkward insertion where it's like, and my Kickstarter is ending on June seventh. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, we can get the fourth member, of that damn barking dog. To oh, there you it. go. He uh, should
0: be the guest appearance.
2: He should be. That's just Buddy. That's Buddy in the background.
0: Yeah, that's Buddy. Yeah, he's just in the background yeah. of a panel barking into a mic. Yeah,
2: and that's it. <laughs> that's that's awesome. it.
0: Hey man. Uh, so to to cover our one Star Wars topic of the day, did you watch Bad Batch?
2: Not yet. I'm waiting for my 22 year old to get home so we can watch it together. He's he's in college in Santa Cruz. So as soon as he's done for the semester, coming down, and then we're just going to binge whatever's there. Oh, that's awesome. But uh, but I'm like I'm, I'm so want to cheat and just watch it but
0: and then pretend <laughs> like I, you didn't see it i've done it with my goddaughter. Exactly, but i did it i did yeah, you? Oh, yeah, okay yeah i watched you would um, find out i think i watched unfortunately i watched the last jedi without her because they like it would just take too long because like sometimes it'd be a week or two and i'm like i can't handle that i need i for one i'm gonna get spoiled i can't i can't get spoiled so i'm gonna need to watch this but i'm gonna pretend like i didn't see it so i cheated on that one with her and and uh um you know it was okay so,
1: Hold it! I find that fucking hilarious because you don't like that film. No, so I then hate You had to. Sit it. So through I had it. to
0: watch it twice. Yeah,
1: I know. And you you had to sit through it, and you had to like just refrain yourself from like I fucking hate this. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, yeah. Like, it oh, was it great. was
0: rough. She that's didn't like time. it either. She didn't like it either. That was <laughs> yeah. the best part. I was like, okay, that's
1: good. Okay. We're, we we are totally my love, my love for it, my love for it, totally makes up for you too.
0: Did you watch Bad Bad yet,
1: <laughs> Keith? Um, I'm not interested in watching Bad Batch. Is that okay. weird? I feel like no. I need to be sold on it. I don't know. I, I just I, I don't
0: like I don't like the cartoons. I I don't find them to be interesting. I tried um, Clone Wars is one of my most hated Star Wars movies. So the idea to watch a cartoon about the fucking clones seems like the worst idea ever. And I've tried watching it. I can't get into it. They try to give these clones personalities. It's not my thing. Um, Bad Batch. and yeah. I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll give, I'll give it a shot. Um, this one. I'm not giving anything away. Visually, they look different. They each look slightly different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I enjoy it, and I and I don't like these cartoons, so I actually enjoy Bad Batch.
1: Yeah. So if if you enjoy it, Scott, I'll um I'll find this article because when when Clone Wars, what was the final season, Terry? Was it season seven? Was that the final season of Clone Wars?
2: I think so. I think that's the one that Disney put out, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the one the that was like thing? relatively
1: recent, like six months ago yeah. or whatever. So when when that finally came out i I had a there's a coworker of mine who is a huge Star Wars person, and he convinced me to watch some Clone Wars. And the good news, Scott, is there is an episode list out there where you can basically watch every episode you need for Clone Wars, and it's about twenty two of them. Yeah, so it only you divide that by three and it's like a grand total of basically seven hours of your time. And I would say that, like as much of an apologist as I am for the original trilogy, it's still better than the original trilogy. So I mean, I, I'll I'll find that and I can just hand it to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or send it to you because it, it's 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 worthwhile time to spend, especially if you're paying for Disney Plus and you're just waiting for new shit to come out. You yeah. You can crank on some crank on some Clone Wars, watch every episode you need, and the best part is, I watched all that stuff before Mandalorian, and it turned out to matter a whole lot ah. because Dave Filoni. Was behind Clone Wars and right, was yeah, instrumental yeah. in the brain trust for the for the Mandalorian. So like so much of that stuff came to fruition like right after when I was watching Mandalorian. Right
2: on. Yeah, there there are, there there are I, I don't have that list, but I've seen all the seasons with my kids and and yeah, there are some episodes that are like like crazy good they're like crazy mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. uh and then there's a lot of filler <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially in the first couple seasons there's a lot of filler yeah but uh I'm not interested in the filler, but man those good episodes make it make it okay worth it all right well they're, yeah, they're
0: that's a good enough selling point to me um yeah. all right so we're gonna hit the outros then if we got nothing else everybody cool yes okay all right so you can find me uh or actually uh, terry let's terry, do you first you terry first. where can we yeah. find you online sure
2: uh, well, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook uh, at Mayotl, M-A-Y-O-T-L. And I actually got talked into joining something called Slasher <laughs> today. Is that like a it's horror? Like a horror. Oh, okay. It's like a horror social media. Yeah. Like, yeah, Sean Gabrin and uh, Kelly Williams are both like, hey, you need to get on this thing. So I joined a, a social media horror website called Slasher, and it's the same thing, at Mayotl. Oh, sure, so if right you're on. weird and psycho, you can find me on there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great for branding. So, okay, great. Uh, You can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram and facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost.
1: Instagram at Keith Decibel, actually at Keith underscore Decibel or at Keith or or at Kadoja Kaiju. KeithRFoster.com is the site. And let's remind people that Buddy is still an active Kickstarter and is, a, is something that, again, if you're interested in and you like what you've heard, go check it out, man. It's still live as you're listening to this on the Monday at debuts.
0: Yep, uh, June 7th and you can uh, email us at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns want to talk about anything we talked about here in this episode or other, other any other episodes you can find my books at accidentalaliens.com uh, so- Second Shift, Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day and Superheroes at Night and Wanders of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans
1: Terry, thanks so much for joining us man, it was a good time
2: yeah it was, thank you for the invite
0: Right, alright. Yay. We'll see you guys next time.
1: Lights.